Welcome to Prickly and Blooming, hosted by Jesse Browning and brought to you by LaJoy Society. At age 35, Jesse theoretically adored her life. She was a mama to four children and owned multiple businesses with her husband. But without an ability to cope or care for herself, an isolating darkness crept in. Through reckless self-care, therapy, and lots of candor, Jessie found her joy again. She has created La Joy Society to embolden others to do the same. Each week, we will meet a woman who has an authentic story to share. Undoubtedly, Jessie will be sharing her big heart, unusual life, and countless theories with you along the way. Now, here's Jessie. Hi, everyone. It's Wednesday, and so we have a new episode today. Um, my guest is going to share um, her personal and professional stories and how they, you know, relate to each other in a me- her mental health journey, you know, how it went from personal to professional. And she's got some amazing stories to share with you and just a, a guide you if you're in a similar situation. So hello. Hi. So I'm always starting off with, you know, this moment, like, did you have a moment where you made a pivot in your life based on the sentence, you know, this can't be my life or just not this, or like there was, there was a a catalyst for change that you can sort of lead your story back to, you know, to a starting point. Yes, definitely. Um, I would say I, it was more of a catalyst for change experience. Um, and for me, it was finding out that my husband of almost 10 years had been having an affair with a coworker. Yep. That'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) So, and everybody always asks me and wants to know, like, how did you find out, you know, but I truly don't have a big dramatic story. This is like no telenovela. Um, it was just one of those conversations we'd had where I I had noticed changes in behavior with him and sort of distancing and I'd felt it for a while. And, uh, I think we both had obviously felt it. And so one evening we were talking and primarily he had said just that he had fallen out of love and didn't want to be married anymore. And after further talking that evening, he did finally admit that he had met someone else and had been having this affair for several months. And so, that definitely will change your life. <laughs> that will do it. That'll be uh, a, a pivot point, if you will. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and go ahead. Yeah. So, um, and the timing of life where I was at, I was in just the last uh, about three months of my graduate degree. And this had been almost a five year journey together. So, half our marriage together had been me preparing for this. Um, degree and new new career, new uh, financial security for our family and things like that because we have a child together. And so for me, I just saw my whole sort of envisioning of my future come crashing down overnight. And um, I was able to complete the degree and I was able to just, you know, kind of go into survival mode those last few months of that. But uh, it was definitely that alone, the survival was a journey. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then of course, finding out something that severe and that traumatic, um, cause it was a trauma. I mean, it was absolutely a trauma. Um, I quickly narrowed down, uh, you know, like you talked about a few weeks ago, like the frenema, 
Yeah, yeah. Having that thing happen. <laughs> yeah. So I quickly had one of those. Yep. Um, yep. I resorted to my very closest circle of friends, family, um, and but also took a couple of days to do that because I I was in shame and I was in denial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you even tell anybody right away, or did you sit on it by yourself? I sat on it by myself for honestly just a day, just because I couldn't even process it. Shock, so, shock, yeah, little shock. It was, yeah, it was shock, denial. Like I said, um, just really trying to understand where we were at, where he was at, because of course, with something like this, the question then becomes: Do you forgive? Are we going to work through this? What is this connection with this other person? So it's like trying to answer all those things, um, and working through that myself and a little bit together it became really apparent that um, it was not something that we, he was willing to work on because he had just chosen this other person in this other path. And there wasn't really a coming back from that in his mind. And, um, and I didn't know what that would look like either in the work that would be involved, but we did actually go to one couple's counseling session, (laughs) which was entertaining at this at this point yeah like yeah like you went with one first week yeah. you know because me i was like well I mean, let's fix this right i'm a fixer absolutely um and we can talk about more about my journey with perfectionism. <laughs> oh yes i love it um it's um what is the two the two it's the a physical affair and affair of the my it's Esther emotional Perel. affair. Emotional affair. There we go. Why couldn't you think of the word emotional affair? And that's that's usually the difference is a lot of people can get over the physical affair, but when you've already attached to someone else. Yeah. And I definitely mm-hmm. went through that thinking about mm-hmm. if this had just been a one night stand, mm-hmm. I think it would have been tons easier for both of us, probably. I'm assuming. I mean, I can't speak for him, of course, but if it had just been a, a one night stand, purely physical, it would definitely not have cut so deep and it definitely mm-hmm. would not have, um, I think felt so helpless or hopeless in the moment. Um, and possibly could have been worked through easier, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really common thing. Yeah. Because um, there's, it's not just the body mm-hmm. <laughs> when it becomes an emotional affair and that's, so much harder to define, you know, because that's a different role. That person has become, you know, they're connected to that person. And so there's not really, a, your your connection is lost and, or augmented or, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I don't want to just fluff over this big catalytic event, but, um, but to go into it a tiny bit more, it's like, you know, um, looking back, reflecting back um, through the last, it's been about two and a half years now. So I've done a lot of reflecting back to our marriage. Um, how did this happen? Because I think that's one of the biggest questions that's primarily asked, especially in the beginning is like, how do we get here? How did this happen? Right. And um, I want to notate, and I'm sure you think of it the same way, if not in the way of blaming yourself. Well, you want to get did there. You? Right. I mean, yeah. You yeah. want to eventually yeah. <laughs> come to this point, you know, and, and I feel like I'm definitely there now of like, I can't blame myself, but initially, um, there was a lot of that. So, so realizing how much this came into questioning my 
finding out, you know, you're, you're this person that you've chosen to be your best friend that you assume is going to be in your life, the rest of your life. Um, like analyzing and coming, taking stock of like, that is now gone. And the Mm -hmm. trust in people and humans, honestly, is now gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. it, you definitely, I, I shouldn't say you, but I definitely went through this period of questioning myself, questioning Mm -hmm. my worth, Mm -hmm. questioning, Mm -hmm. you know, my own ability to connect with people. Um, and for sure, for sure, for months, if not over a year after the event, um, had a lot of blame. I had a lot of guilt mm-hmm. on how did I let this happen and how did it was all me. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, even though right. I had plenty of people in my life telling me and reassuring me all the time throughout the, the time after of like, no, he chose this. Like mm-hmm. there were mm-hmm. options for y'all's situation, but ultimately this is what he chose. Right. Yeah. We all have our, we all have our choices Yeah, to make, to make or not make, you know? Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that this sort of reflection uh, led somewhere. Yes. These feelings. Yes. <laughs> Do you want Definitely. to tell us? Yeah. What? So, so like I said, I just kind of threw myself into the well, mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, this, this graduate degree of mine, um, has basically cost my my marriage at this point. So I just need to finish this. And so that was the next three months. And then it was, I got to start my career and use this degree because now I'm a single mom and I need income and all that. So that was like the next several months, um, all the while going through the stages of grief. So stages of grief, um, it's anger. Um, denial, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance, right? And so um, going through all of that on a roller coaster, and I never for sure got to the acceptance point for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I found myself obviously initially in denial, then stuck in anger. And I realized that every day, sure, I was managing. And if anybody was didn't truly know me, they would have seen somebody who kept her shit together, (laughs) got her degree, got an amazing new job, was fulfilling every purpose in her life, despite her husband leaving in the middle of all this. And so from the outside, it looked like everything is great. Everything is fine. Look at her. She's so strong. Right. She is doing amazing. Yep. She's doing it. Yeah, like if you were, didn't know me and you were from the outside looking in, I was doing it. But I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable and it was a battle. I'm thankful I had my job because honestly, the, a lot of days it was my son and my job were the reasons I would get out of bed, were the reason I would go through my day. Um, I'm passionate about the work I do. So that really helped. Um, but I was miserable. I was so mad. Every interaction with my ex would trigger some sort of emotional overreaction. I felt so betrayed still. I felt stuck. 110% stuck. In that like cycle, right? Into like the the grieving cycle that you just went through. Right. So Mm -hmm. 
when I was stuck, I just, you know, I was reaching out to, to my close friends um, as regularly as I could and they checked in on me, which was great. And I did definitely feel the love and I, you know, and felt supported in those ways, which was awesome. And I could not have made it through that time without them. Um, but I had one close friend that she would listen to me and listen to me. And she had been through similar times in her life, I think at least once. And so she turned me on to Brene Brown, actually, mm -hmm. and, and talked to me about the rising strong method sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And Brene Brown, we trust. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I mean, I, I, I don't think that her success is not deserved because I feel like she is the reckoning for our generation. I feel like she's always talking to the majority of people and not just women, just people in general, you know, mm -hmm. um, shame. Yeah. It's amazing to hear her talk about how shame was not studied or discussed, or mm -hmm. it's just this insane yeah. motivator <laughs> that everyone mm -hmm. just lets sit here, you know, right? without, and, without talking about it. Mm -hmm. And we all yeah. try to act like we're not going through it. Uh-huh. So we uh -huh. all feel so alone, but we're alone together. It just, it, but we yeah. don't know it. Yeah, yeah. yeah unlike right now where we're alone together in this <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> I know, that's true. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so funny. So she was the first thing that I read and fully was like, yes, okay, okay. Like I finally felt this little glimmer of hope and this little glimmer of like, all right, let me start really reflecting on how did this all happen what has led me to here and um and so that's really so it's about probably about six months after the actual event that i started my path to exploring my mental health um and reflecting and really trying to just make sure i think my goal was one i needed to to find myself again because i had identified for a decade as somebody's wife and also for close to a decade as somebody's mother, um, and then thrown myself into this very intense studying program for five years. And so it kind of left me with, okay, but what now? Who am I? Who am I? What do I want to do? Yeah. And what can I do? You know? And also... I don't want to do that again. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's that. Yeah. Like that was the other big motivating factor was <laughs> I don't ever want to go through this again. And I just want to be authentic, um, which I think is really the best part of like the Brene Brown stuff that I initially heard was just this authenticity. And it was like, yes, I want to be that. I want to make sure that I show up every single day as me. And um, so over the course of the next few months, I just kind of dove deep into the self-help section of the bookstore, so to speak. <laughs> and, um, and not everything stuck and not everything I identified with, but the things that did, it was mainly all about like acceptance of yourself, um, accepting, you know, your mistakes because of that perfectionism gene that I have <laughs> um, coming to terms with, yeah, this wasn't the way my life was supposed to go. Cause I think that was a big one for me was this question of like, wait, this was not how it was supposed to be. I mean, we, you know, um, my ex and I, we had a very fairy tale sort of 
romance and the way we had met and known each other. And so this was not how this fairy tale was supposed to end. Right. (laughs) I I didn't write the story like this. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and in doing that reflection, I initially started, of course, looking at our marriage and our time together and sort of how we had gotten to where we had been. But in doing that, it also took me back to realizing that these patterns that I had developed um, related to the perfectionism, related to being a people pleaser, um, all of that, and ultimately realizing that um, I had been in depression for the majority of my life and I had never accepted that for various reasons and I had never addressed it. Um, so, and, and I, and I have done some therapy when I was in graduate school. I had terrible, I've also had terrible anxiety and I, that still remains to this day. It's something that I work on pretty much every day. But, um, and I don't think it'll ever go away, but, you know, when I was in graduate school, I had severe anxiety surrounded mainly about studying and tests and the pressure to succeed. And especially cause I had, you know, relocated my family and I just felt this intense pressure all the time. And so I'd started seeing a therapist for that initially. And, and so the last year of school, I had been seeing a counselor about every week to two weeks we discussed a lot about these perfectionism, the imposter syndrome, um, all those sorts of things. Um, and I touched a little on my personal life, but not too much, you know, but he eventually said, initially he had diagnosed me with adjustment disorder related to graduate school. Um, but in our, after a few months, he said, you know, one session, he's like, you know, I, d- I don't think this is just adjustment disorder think you might be depressed. Like this is just depression. And I sort of pushed it away and I'm like, no, no. Like I'm just socially isolated because of being in grad school and being a a mom with a husband and that. And no, I'm doing what I love. I'm passionate about what I'm studying. I'm excited Mm -hmm. for this career. I'm married. Like these are, things are great. Um, (laughs) And he gave me medication for my anxiety, which medication for anxiety is also medication for a depression. Um, and I never really found one that, that, that really worked well and I didn't tolerate them very much. So I basically just took like a beta blocker for test anxiety. That's what I ultimately ended up with. And, um, so fast forward, obviously my life fell apart. Right. <laughs> I lost my insurance, so couldn't see my therapist anymore. Um, when I started this, this whole self-help journey, self-care journey, uh, was not did you medication. did you lose insurance because you got divorced? Yes, ah, and because yeah. I graduated. Because I graduated, right, so you got graduated. So you, yeah, got it. Yeah, starting a new job, they always make you wait like three to six mm-hmm. months, depending. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was like about four or five months um, where I probably should have needed it the most. It <laughs> 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 yeah, didn't happen. So that's where I'm. I just it was proactive, I guess, at the um, recommendation from friends. And also just some, I've, I had found finally some motivation of like, again, I don't want to ever go through this again. I don't want my life to be the same as it's been the last 10 years. I don't want to waste another decade, you know, being unhappy. And 
And it was really thinking back to that session where the therapist was talking about depression that I was like, you know what, he's right. I haven't been happy. I thought I've been doing all the things I was supposed to do. And I thought I was doing all the things that checking the boxes again, like if you're looking at my life from the outside, I've got a great life. I have nothing to be depressed about. Right. So, um, so then it would, it really just became then a journey of acceptance that I do have a mental health condition. I do have depression, a lot of anxiety and really diving deep into not just what went wrong in my marriage, but in life, like, why have I not dealt with this stuff? Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. That's been, I'm sure, a, a fun <laughs> journey for, I know it is for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has its ups and downs. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, along with anger, there was a lot of also guilt. Mm-hmm. Well, how so? Like what guilt? So, along with the anger directed mainly to my ex about doing this to us. How could he do this to us? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. yeah. there was the guilt of this must be my fault. Um, and then when I realized about the depression, I also realized um, like how much I had hidden myself from my spouse and no wonder we weren't connected, you know, no wonder this did happen because I was never honest with him. And, and he knew I went to a therapist and, and talked about my anxiety and that was really all it was about. And I remember even having a couple of opportunities in the last year that we were together um, where he asked me, you know, do you ever talk about me in those sessions? And at first I was appalled because I thought, well, that's my confidential space, you know, like, <laughs> like, how dare you? How dare you try yeah. to, you know, get, get info on. How my- dare you try to connect with me? Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so I'm playing back. I'm the ruminator by trade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm chewing on that same piece of grass over and yep. over and I'm over and back over. to all these conversations that we've had. And I'm, playing over in my mind so many opportunities I had or that, you know, divine intervention had brought where we could have connected. Maybe the boat would have turned. Maybe this wasn't going to be the course that we would have ended up at had I just taken this opportunity. And had I been authentic, had I been vulnerable, had I been honest with this person I had chosen to spend my life with, then maybe this wouldn't have happened, you know? So that's where I had the guilt of like, even though I wasn't the one that had the affair and I get it that that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I definitely was a participant in the demise of our marriage by not being honest. Right. And I have to ask this. Sure. You, you've identified that you weren't honest with him in that moment, but it's probably started with you weren't honest with yourself. Absolutely. It's the whole, I keep talking about seeing ourselves and, and it's much like, you know, the, the self-love and self-care and all that stuff and being seen has to start here, you know, and accepting like all of it, even all the shit, all the bad times. And like when we hide them, you know, and we hide like what we think we should be shameful about, we're not, 
even presenting ourselves ourselves like we're not presenting ourselves to ourselves so how the hell of course how are you going to show it to your husband if you're not even like showing it to your like letting yourself see it so this is this is where i'm at now and this is where i'm so happy that i finally now am in the place of working on that and being authentic more and stuff and being seen yeah mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to jump around too much. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem, no. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to be like, Hey, wait, I, yeah. this sounds like, so like yeah. something of like, you know, and, and like for my own journey, like I tried to do all this work after a shitty night of like, okay, now I'm going to do all the things I'm supposed to do. And it was good, but it was like to a point, you yeah. know, and it was like, Oh, I'm not acknowledging what happened. Yes. And so yeah. I couldn't get that final mile. Oh man. I mean, that's so true. And and you're spot on to identify that because that's what I've realized. And mind you, this realization and releasing myself from this guilt and realizing why I wasn't showing up for my marriage like I should have been, mm-hmm. that took like a full year, I would say. Oh, for more, sure. Like later and with my current therapist, mm-hmm. you know, a really... And even with her initially, it was like, I'm just not going to talk about these things, you know, (laughs) but ultimately, yeah, it was just, it really was, um, that full acceptance of like, wait a minute, I can't move forward. And you talked about it too, right? Your therapist was just blunt about what are you not seeing? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the end, like she was leaving. So it was like a month left. So I think she was like, come on. You know? yeah, like, I need to push you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It was on my birthday. Oh, like yeah. she pushed me and I was like, oh, yeah. shit. You know? yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, she's right. Yeah. And and I've never been uh, forcefully <laughs> told to come to that conclusion. But, and we've never been under a time crunch, but um, right. But I can tell you that the most powerful turning points that I've had in this journey have been when I do sort of finally give up this insider knowledge, this thing that I've been grappling with in my mind. It's like whenever I finally just verbalize it out loud to my therapist, it's catharsis, you know, it's, it really allows finally for that opening to then be filled with something better. Yes. Like you open that wound and then boom, like something better fills it up. And what's so, tell me if I'm, tell me if this is accurate as well. We build it up so much worse than it actually is. Oh my God. Yes. The fear of, you know, picking the scab off and revealing the wound underneath Mm -hmm. is so much worse than actually just doing it. No, it's like, yeah, we build it up to be this, you know, huge thing we've told ourselves the story in our head like mm-hmm. like i was i will never tell anyone what happened right <laughs> and again the rooted in shame mm-hmm. and perfectionism yep and thinking that we have to like coat ourselves in this big armor and i remember so many times in my marriage being thinking that i can't let him see me sort of weak because mm-hmm. i'm the one that I mean, he was definitely our protector. You know, he played the the male role fine, but I couldn't be vulnerable. There's so many things. So, you know, it's like taking stock of what really was there and what was wrong about that relationship um, allowed me to let go 
of the anger. Cool. It really did. It was very freeing because I realized like anger, holding on to the anger can is going to just poison my heart and keep me negative and keep me stuck. People initially were telling me that this affair, this, this divorce, this whole break in my family unit was a blessing in disguise. And I just, I just was not ready to hear that. I just could not see right afterwards in the few months afterwards, like, what do you mean a blessing? Like, this has completely turned my life upside down. It's by far the worst thing that has ever happened to me. You know, it, it just destroyed me. I felt broken. I felt so broken. Mm -hmm. Let's like put a little PSA moment in here. Mm -hmm. Everyone, don't say that to people when they're going through shit. I know. I know. The every, everything happens for a reason. Blessing in disguise. All of that does not help not, at all. Not in the moment, you know. Not in the moment. Like, sure, I can see it now. Uh, you know. Two and a half I'm years so, later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I can see it now. But, like, in the moment, that's not what I need. Also, like, young moms, like, the cherish every moment. Uh, oh, that one gets pressure. me. Yeah. When you're like literally covered in shit and piss and milk and you haven't slept in days and you yeah. haven't eaten a hot meal in months. Somebody's like, cherish every moment. I'm like, daggers, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's cut. It minimizes. It really does. <clears throat> it minimizes the experience you're feeling. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to get to that point. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that. I, I mean, I see the value in, you know, my turning point now. I mean, I'm not happy it happened, but like I can see the value in it, but, I, no one needs to tell me like that was a blessing in disguise, no. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I fully agree with you. And there's a difference between it's like, I think appropriate thing that might be along the same lines, but not as minimizing is maybe keep the faith. Right. You know? Right. Um, it gets better. Yes. Like, I love that one. And I, and I use it a lot with my line of work now working in mental health. You know, I, I use a lot of like, yes. Your life absolutely sucks. This should not have happened, but it will get better. And I do not know when. I cannot tell you when that is going to be, but I can tell you you're doing everything that you possibly can right now. And that's all you have to do every single day. And it will get better. Ah, oh, that's you know? amazing. Yeah. And I feel like, like that's what you need. Yeah. Validation. Mm -hmm. Validation. Um, I, this week, which has been crazy, um, I've been a lot, making a lot of social media m messages that say like, feel what you're feeling. You know, like if you're feeling anxious, like you can decide whether you're going to act on it, but like, don't deny it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah impossible. You know, if you're feeling anxious, feel anxious. Yeah. But well, learn how to cope with it. I know. And that's, right. and that's the whole thing too, about a big part of my journey was the denial of being in depression, um, you know, denial of how bad my anxiety really is and how much me coping with my anxiety was just pretending like everything was going to be okay or that it was fixable. Um, and it often came out as like being super irritable, being annoyed, being angry, feeling so overwhelmed, but not knowing how to ask for help or if I could ask for help because we also typically in our, um, as women, as mothers, you know, we're, we want to be that idolized version of 
oh, I don't know how she does it, you know, she does it all. And so asking for help is a completely vulnerable thing because you're admitting that you can't do it alone, right? And you're admitting that you need someone else to come in and also that you're not giving up, but just you're giving in. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. That's how it's been marketed, <laughs> right? Asking for help has been um, uh, marketed as a sign of weakness. And I feel like we're starting to redefine that as that's the moment of strength. It's like failure. Failure is is a moment of learning. You know, it's not something to be ashamed of, you know, mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And so part of that journey in realizing that, um, how much my mental health and not addressing it sabotaged the marriage, but also where was that coming from? You know, so when I, when I first started my journey with therapy, finally getting a therapist, a regular therapist, again, I had already um, listened to a lot of Brene stuff, done some reflecting, but, and I'd worked through what I thought I had worked through a lot of the anger um, that was later discovered not to be true. <laughs> 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 Thank goodness for good therapy. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and, but at the end of the day, and I hate to say it, but um, we are the product of our childhood. We are the product of our experiences, right? So mm -hmm. I realized that I was angry because, and didn't know what to do with it because I was always taught that being angry is not okay. Or if you are angry, you just put up with it. Right. Move through. Like, uh, clean not, something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and not move through in a like, you keep going. You know, the only way through hell is through. It's not that kind of right. move through. It's like, no. Yeah. Just stuff it down and put it in this box and right. you put it away. And you never show it to anybody. <laughs> like, um, what's that? I keep saying it in, in a couple uh, episodes. Um, oh, what is it? It's like a baseball one, I feel like. Oh, walk it off. Walk oh, it off. Walk it off. Yeah. Walk exactly. it off. That's one. Yeah. Or walk I've it gotten off. worse on my eyeball. You know, that's a good practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I definitely had to go way back and look at family culture values that had been around since I was young and realize that that's kind of what had shaped me to deny that depression was there, that anxiety was there. Um, deny acceptance of myself, become a people pleaser because my feelings didn't really matter. I cared more about making sure that everybody around me was happy. Um, and comfortable and yeah. taken care of. Yeah. Um, and I was raised by a single mom. She was a really young single mom with two kids. My, I have an older brother. And uh, so he was sort of the misfit dish, you know, kid that just kind of did what he wanted. He got in trouble. He didn't do his schoolwork. And I saw the stress that was put under my mom by having that dynamic in the house. And so I sort of vowed to make sure that I wasn't that kid. Right. And I was uh, trouble. The achiever. Yeah. So I did all my work. I did all my chores. I sometimes did my brother's chores too, just so that when my mom got home, there would be, peace in the house and she would feel like there's nothing to be upset over. Didn't always work. 
definitely most of the time did not work. You know, um, there's still just a lot of things. And so just finally accepting that this is actually a pattern. This has been a pattern in my life for a really long time. And um, accepting that my brother has her own mental health struggles, I feel, and we don't talk about it and it's never been talked about. Um, but I'm not okay with that anymore. So, you know, it just kind of kept motivating me of like, but this isn't okay. And I don't think that this is the way life should be. Right. And you identified the like, I don't, because what you said is like, I don't want another 10 years of this in my life. Mm-hmm. It's like, and if you want, if it's not um, challenging you, it's not changing you. Like if you're, you can't continue the same path and expect different results. Absolutely. That. You know, all of that of like identifying like, okay, I got to really shake this down and build it back up again how I want to. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so therapy was definitely a big part of that. I also like if, if people are listening that have been through similar things of have, you know, having their whole life turned upside down or betrayal by their spouse or just ending of a marriage in general, I think. And that like divorce period where you're trying to find yourself again, you know, sort of the things that I found the most comforting were going back to past times that I had whenever I was in my early twenties before I had gotten married. So I listened to music again that was from that time. Um, I started going out dancing again because that's one of my happiest times of my life was when I was dancing a lot. Um, You know, I danced with a troupe, but just dancing in general makes me really happy I danced with my kid more around the house, like jammed out music loudly. Um, I started being more active outdoors because I've always been like a hiker, being on the water, doing the river thing. So I just started like planning camping trips with girlfriends um, or just going out for hikes on my own and just really doing these things that were present in my life before the marriage that I had lost before yeah, were you per- somebody that wasn't okay with being alone before? I I don't know. I still haven't quite figured that out. So I do like to be alone. And even before, I always lived alone. I never had roommates. Um, I So I do like my alone time, but I am an extrovert. I'm a complete extrovert. I love being around people. I love sharing experiences with others. That, to me, makes the experience better and more valuable. So I can be alone. I'm not like fearful of that. And I also am not a like serial relationship person. But um, in my reflecting, I realized like I had never dated in high school, went to college, was single year, had a boyfriend the next off and on, of course, goes college. So (laughs) but um, had a boyfriend for five years. And within the next six months after we officially called it quits, had re-met my husband and gotten married. And so then the next almost 10 years were together. So for like 15 years, you know, I was not single. And even though I did a lot of fun things before I was married, and a few while I was married, I had definitely found myself like, oh, I haven't just been myself in almost 15 years, you know, so not being myself for 15 years um, was important to recognize too, because that's why I needed to sort of go onto this discovery of like, Oh, what is it I really like to do? And who am I? I'm like, let's go back to like, because I want to get to like where the, where this has gotten you to, you know, because I, f- I feel like, you know, once you did this personal work 
um, it had an effect on your professional life from what I know of your story. Yeah, it really did. Um, and so professionally, um, you know, I work in healthcare and I'm a medical provider and I was initially just in general medicine and taking care of people. And through my work there, I, for almost, you know, a couple, first couple of years of the career, I realized how much uh, mental health meant to me. And I realized that the other providers in my office were funneling all the psychiatry patients my way. Um, and so I found this sort of love for psychiatry and this love of mental health. And I found myself really able to empathize with a lot of my patients and also have a lot of patients with people with mental health conditions, because a lot of times, you know, I feel like people get blown off or it is sort of that just walk it off. Um, you know, when you're, when someone's depressed, like just be happy. Well, I mean, if it was as easy as that, it's as that, right? It's like problem. Telling somebody to calm down, like that, always works. Oh, absolutely, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's the best thing to say to someone <laughs> when yeah. they're full on rage. Yeah, just oh, calm no. down. Just yeah, breathe. just breathe. yeah, <laughs> just breathe. Which deep breathing slowly does, does yes. help. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but I hear you. So through that, I eventually um, needed a change career-wise and to be in a different setting and was blessed enough, honestly, to get an opportunity to go into um, joining an outpatient psychiatry practice. And so now I get to work with people every day in mental health and advocate for them and for that. And I get to share a lot of the knowledge that I've gained through my personal experiences and, and get to give them resources or just support them, honestly, just really give support. And so now I feel like that is part of my mission. You know, I find a lot of joy in sharing that vulnerability, sharing that we're all human. We all have a story. We all have this suffering that we're dealing with at some point in our lives. And that we all kind of, even if our childhoods were, you know, messed up in some sort of way, we, we do need to do the work and accept ourselves and love ourselves enough to want a better future and, and never give up on that. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. And what a great now um, to be able to pull back your personal experience in to take that forward into your professional experience now of like, I just love the story of like, you're now specializing in psychiatry and you had previously, you know, denied your own depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like what a beautiful circle, you know? And I, I think we've talked before about, um, before we were recording about what a gift that is to be able to give to your patients, It really is, you know? It really is because I imagine, you know, that people you see are also doing the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, again, like being seen in all of the facets of, you know, who you are now is having a beautiful, positive impact on your professional life. Mm-hmm. Where you're be, you're be able to be a deeper practitioner. Yeah, I do agree and with that. Yeah, I think that's so great. Like you, I you know, if you ever get feedback, you know, I don't know, but like, uh, I would love to know in like 10 years from now, if you get those messages back from people, you know, like there was this moment that I knew you really got me because, you know, yeah. and you obviously will know what it was. It was like, oh yeah. Cause I was like empathizing, you know? 
Yes, and and it's so funny that the the longer now that I've been working in psychiatry and heard, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of stories of people and their and I and I do tend to see people at their worst, you know, or at the lowest points in their lives, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful to to have their trust in me and the opportunity to to hold that trust and hold their story and help them through this journey and and seeing them transform is really great. It's very gratifying. Um, but honestly, it has just reinforced for me how much we really are all the same. Uh-huh. How yeah. much we as humans all experience similar emotions, not similar experiences by any means, but similar emotions. We all have a fault in mm-hmm. our you know, who we are in our personalities and that's okay. Like mm-hmm. not being perfect is okay. Oh, on that note, um, do you want to talk about your, your relationship with perfectionism? Cause you mentioned it early on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a battle, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I do catch myself more in it. And I think that uh, definitely is one of the biggest triggers for my anxiety is perfectionism and um, wanting things to be perfect. And, almost to a delusional point at times where it made me do things and act in ways that are not true to who I am just because I wanted to stay perfect. Um, like the the biggest, most relatable to this conversation uh, example I can give you is that that same evening that, you know, my, my husband had revealed the affair. I thought in my head, like, that's okay. We're going to, if we're not going to fix this, then we're going to be the most perfect co-parenting family ever. Like we are going to be at every school meeting together. We're going to be at every extracurricular together. And I am going to be the most perfect ex-wife ever. Oh, I love it. You know, like <laughs> delusional. <laughs> I'm not going to have a problem with this at I all. I'm not going to have any qualms at all, you know. Which of course sets you up for so much heartache because then when every time I get angry, every time I would be emotionally triggered by our interactions, I would then dive deep into the spiral of chastising myself for having these feelings. Right. You're not being the perfect ex-wife right now. I know. Like what is wrong with you? (laughs) So I mean, and so you could apply that to many scenarios in my life where it's like, I just idealize what I should be doing. And, and my first therapist, he said, don't should all over your life. Should. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like don't should, 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 yeah. should, should, that word. Yes. And I hear it all the time. I catch it now more than ever of like, I know I should do this, or I know I should not feel this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why not feel that way? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Feel that yeah. way. Do yes. it. Do, do it. it. Feel it. And yeah. guess what? The world does not end. It will go on. The world goes on. I Who was it sometime last year, um, who's actually a mutual friend of ours online, so you probably missed it because I know you're not online. Um, every time you hear a should, um, there's shame behind it. Like yeah. the sh- should and the shame. Yeah. The shames are feeding your shoulds. It is so true. And then uh-huh. looking at where is this coming from? I mean, this is the work I've done is like every time now that I feel triggered by this need to perform or need to have done this, or I should have this 
if I, if I say in my mind, I should have most of the time now I catch myself and I'm like, but why? And it's not a rebellion. Like I just want to rebel against the, you know, society and their rules. It's not right. that it's just what is ultimately driving this feeling that I should act in a certain way. I should, you know, talk a certain way, reveal certain things, not talk about certain things. You know, it's like sh- this whole thing of like, what is driving this? And more often than not, almost always actually, <laughs> um, that should statement is driven behind some like deep notion that you should not be vulnerable. You should not reveal your insecurities, your weaknesses, because the world is ready to pounce on them. And I just, and I guess that's why I'm so passionate now about like advocating for mental health, advocating for acceptance, vulnerability, being courageous with who you are, because I, in accepting like who I am, I feel like I'm at this place now where I am cultivating honest relationships, not just in my personal life, but also my professional life. You know, I, with my patients, I talk a lot about, I know I'm blunt, but I'm nice. And I'm good. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I'm going to come from a place of caring. And, and I feel like more people need that. And, um, and I feel like I can, at the end of my day now more than ever feel like, uh, when I do connect with somebody, when I do have, you know, time with them and I'm being true to myself, I leave feeling very filled. And I feel like I don't ruminate because I have been authentic. I've been true to myself and it is what it is, you know, and, and it's very peaceful. Oh, I love that you've been able to remove the rumination because mm-hmm. that's, it's coming from a great place. Then yeah. you're not leaving all these things because the ruminations is should. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's I, I should have said this. I should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm not going to say that I've, gosh, I've still got so much to to work on and I definitely have not like now just peacefully going through life and I never have any (laughs) moments or I never feel depressed or anything like that. It's, you know, um, I definitely still go through those things and I don't always do the things that I need to do, but I have definitely worked long enough and hard enough on identifying when these moments are happening and catching them so much earlier on in, in the time that I might waste a you know, couple of hours instead of a decade of life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's shortening the, yeah. the, the suffering time. Yes. Right. And yes. that's, you know, why I want to do this project is like by sharing these stories is maybe then people who are on the path behind us, we can shorten their time. Totally. You know? Yeah. Which yeah. is why I'm so thankful that, you started this project. This is going on. I have this opportunity to talk about it because I've never talked about any of this publicly. Like my closest I love people that. in my life know about it, but never talked about it publicly. But I think it's important. And I think it's important to hear from real people, you know, and give hope, give, yeah, like a guy. We're all flawed. Yeah, we're all flawed. Yes. And like the more we talk about them and normalize it, they won't be so um, detrimental. you know like it can just be it really can and and I think that it helps that in the people in your life or in life in general 
to identify when a person's going through a hard time and not fall back on those like euphemisms, not fall back on brushing it off. You know, it's like also giving opportunity, not just to the people that are suffering or going through their journey, but giving opportunity for the people around them to know what to do about it. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I think we're, you know, coming to a natural end here, but I always want to ask, is there anything else, you know, how I brought back up like perfectionism or, you know, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? Um, There was one thing that I didn't uh, somehow incorporate gracefully, but, but I feel like, um, so I did talk about like the Brene Brown work being instrumental in sort of getting the ball rolling, but there was another book in particular that I wholeheartedly recommend and it's a book that I wish that I had read in my 20s instead of my 30s and after this whole thing and um and it's called The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner and I don't know uh, you know if other people have read it and, and know what I'm talking about but this book has been around for several decades now it's not a new thing by any means um and it's written to a woman's perspective and it is Um, this book that basically identifies that we as women are taught to not show anger and we are typically uh, raised in a way where, you know, anger is not acceptable and we just need to kind of move through whatever. And so she goes through the intimate relationships that we have and it's, it's sort of a guide of not only identifying, um, your, the role that anger plays in your relationships, um, but also what to do about it and how to change that. So it's not just a, oh, okay, we can identify, yeah, it's not fair, we can't be mad. No, it's it's just also how can you change how, this? How can, how can you implement anger into your life? Yeah, appropriately, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, appropriately. And, and it's not just also romantic relationships. She goes into like family relationships, uh, work environment. Oh, work? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So bosses and, you know different scenarios like that, as well as um, I think for me, one of the best things that I picked up out of that book, I mean, there's so many things, but uh, one of the best things I picked up is that anger is basically a mark of when a boundary has been crossed. Ooh. And so if, okay. if you feel that, that anger coming on, it's, it's sort of your cue that you're allowing one of your boundaries, whether it's an intentional or not, or conscious or not, okay. one of your boundaries is being crossed and you're, and, and you're not being true to yourself. If you allow that boundary to be crossed, to continue like that relationship to continue in that way. So Ooh. this book, honestly, um, you know, with my mother and my relationship she has not changed. She has not, you know, done anything to change our dynamic. It has definitely been more on me, but that's kind of the book is like you have identified now that boundaries are crossed in your interactions with others and you can't expect others to change. They're not going to change the way they communicate, the things they say, the things they do. They're human too, you know, so it is acceptance of that. But you can't accept the way y'all's interactions are going, which is why you're always angry. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, therefore, my interactions in my relationship with my mother had to dramatically shift 
and it didn't happen overnight and it was very consistent reframing phrasing standing firm not backing down but also not fighting you know it's just really releasing that anger in that you don't have to express it always as like aggressive fighting or I feel like I sometimes resort to like a 13 year old girl rolling my eyes and a teenager <laughs> in my interactions with my mom. But, you know, and, and I bring this up because it again played into the way my role in my marriage, you know, um, mm -hmm. being angry and not expressing it properly at work, like sort of being that, that I'm going to keep just people pleasing and working my tail off. And I don't care if I don't get recognition, but I'm angry and I don't know how to express it. So yeah. really this book for me was just one of those pivotal things of if you, if, as I worked through it, I was like, wow, I recognize myself in all these situations and I've never established proper boundaries for myself. And how can I do that? And so it hasn't happened overnight, but I can tell you, you know, year and a half later or so, consistently yeah. working on that. Um, it's been pretty amazing because my relationships have gotten way better, more fulfilling even with my ex now, I mean, the acceptance and staying true to myself, my boundaries um, has actually evolved into what I think is like a really good working co-parenting relationship. And, and um, even with the woman that's in his life is, is the woman he had the affair with. And I now have to interact with her. And I can tell you that just in the last few months, the peace that has come over of like just accepting of the entire situation and being such in a better place about it all and being just so happy, you know, and then now I can be thankful because I feel like whatever is in the future for me and whatever relationship might be there. Um, if it's going to be another romantic one that I'm ready for it and being authentic in it will mean that it will be, you know, the best that it can be. Right. That's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Thank like you. this has been, you know, so lovely to hear. Oh, I love it. And I appreciate you sharing your story and taking the time. And I just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And these are my favorite parts of like the week is like sitting here, putting on my headphones and being like, let's talk about like the worst time of your life. <laughs> because that's where the best time is coming. <laughs> yes. Yes. And like, you know, I've, I've, I've always kind of been this person, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but now to do it like so actively and with such purpose, I just love it. And I just am so thankful. I have like, you know, my list of everybody and last week I named everybody, you know, like, thank you so much for sharing your stories, yeah. you know, and believing in, you know, agreeing with me and believing in this and, and, and knowing that like the, the work comes from these moments, yes. you know, I agree so, 110%. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you're doing this and I just hope everybody embraces it and takes the opportunity yeah. to keep growing. Yeah. Well, I will say a thank you and I will remind everyone that you can connect with me um, on Instagram and Facebook and I haven't really used Twitter. I talked about that last week, but you know, it's not the week to, um, to add something to my life. <laughs> I have a website um, and everything is LaJoy Society, which is L-A-J-O-I-E Society, S-O-C-I-E-T-Y. That's the website. That's the Instagram accounts, the Facebook accounts, all of that. The email is LaJoySociety at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from people um, if you want to send me anything and everything. So that will be it for today.
All right. See y'all again. Uh, see y'all is obviously used to feel weird. Talk to y'all next week. <laughs> Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere 